the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good morning, Central Arkansas. For all of Arkansas, always forget that uh, we're also on Facebook Live and on the app. But this is the Dave Ellswick Show. This is Ken Yang filling in this Wednesday morning. Um, As y'all have seen, Dave's on vacation, and uh, we've been filling in with multiple uh, different special guests. Today's my day. I'll be back next Wednesday also. Uh, But uh, as I said, I'm the... Uh, better looking, younger, smarter of all the fill-ins. I don't even know who the other fill-ins are, honestly. But uh, I'm not Dave Ellswick, though, the legendary Dave Ellswick. He'll be back uh, about a week and a half. He's uh, enjoying the beach while we're here uh, in Arkansas. I'm joined this morning by State Representative uh, David Ray, uh, who is a state representative over there in the Maumel area, Pulaski County, Faulkner County, um, uh, former state director of AFP, former comms director over there at uh, the RPA, former Tom Cotton alum, Tim Griffin alum. Uh, all, all man, my goodness, you got a, such a long, long resume. But, well, that, you know, maybe that means I have a hard time holding the job down. I don't know. So, <laughs> but thanks but, for being here, David. No, good to be here. Good to be here. And um, if folks want to follow me on twitter it's at david a ray you can find me on facebook state rep state representative david ray um lots to lots to talk about this morning so thank you for inviting me on no uh for those i think many of the david's david's listen dave ellswick's listeners know who you are uh just based on the work you've done when it comes to taxes and whatnot so we'll just you will just dive right into it but uh, Little Rock came out and vote yesterday about uh, the rebuild the rock or the penny sales tax, and it was a resounding no. Sixty-two uh, percent against, thirty-eight percent for. Being a uh, you know financial guru, as uh, I think the political world calls you, David. Uh, what 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 are your thoughts on it? Well, I don't know about the the financial <laughs> guru part, but. Look, um, this was a big, this was a big, big deal for the voters in Little Rock to turn down this sales tax increase and to turn it back. Um, I am excited. I got a text. Uh, I, I, you might have been the one that texted me last night. I had just finished putting, uh, helping my wife put my kids to bed, and the early, uh, the early vote and absentee vote numbers came in, and it was sixty-one percent opposed. Yep. And look, typically. Um, the the election day votes will track pretty closely to the early votes, um, although that's not always the case. And so I was I was uh, I was surprised. Frankly, I thought that with how much money the the special interests and the rent seekers had poured into this effort, 
that they would that they would come away with the win. Historically, if you look at these special election uh, sales tax increase votes, when uh, when they're not held in conjunction with uh, the primary election or the general election, you know, when they try and put it on a random Tuesday in in September, for example, yeah. right? At, you know, the week after Labor Day, people are just getting back from maybe a trip to the lake or or um, uh, out of town visit over the holiday weekend. That's what I did. I went to a friend's wedding over over Labor Day weekend. So folks are just getting back into the groove. They don't necessarily even know that an election's taking place. Yeah. Um, so there was a lot of cause for um, <laughs> you know th- there weren't a whole lot of reasons to be optimistic that that we would be able to defeat this thing. But uh, I couldn't be I couldn't be more ecstatic at the way it turned out. The voters and this wasn't a squeaker either. I mean, the voters came out and just smashed this, and they said no. We don't want a tax hike. Um, this is an embarrassment, frankly, for the mayor. This is this is a hashtag Frank fail. Um, <laughs> I like it. The, look, I, I think the mayor is totally um, out of touch with what the city actually needs. I mean, this is supposed to be about quality of life, but we tend to forget, Ken, that you know quality of life is not really possible if you don't get the basics right. If you don't have good schools, if you don't have public safety, if you don't have quality infrastructure, okay? People get hung up on like whether or not we have a top golf or a you know a this or a that, you know, or a park. I mean, look, when I was deciding where to live, I didn't me and my wife didn't sit down and we didn't we didn't say now, where's the best golf course in central Arkansas? Can we live close to that? Or, you know, can we, where's the Trader Joe's? We need to live real close. You know, that's not that, that's not what people look for when they're deciding no. where to locate. No. You know, they're, they want to know, are my kids going to be able, are we zoned for a quality school? You know, am I going to be able to send my kids to a school that's not a war zone? Yep. Um, they want to know, can I live in a neighborhood that's not a shooting gallery? Yeah. You know, yeah. Every time you turn on the news, uh, there's someone being. You know, used to be there's someone being shot at. Now there's someone being shot at and murdered uh, in in the city of Little Rock. And I tell you, I used to a lot of people. I used to live in downtown Little Rock, and it was already kind of like eh, that was about ten years ago. It was kind of like, eh, I don't really know if this is a good idea, but it's close to the capital, close to where I worked and everything. But it was safe enough. Now. I, you couldn't pay me to live in downtown Little Rock. I don't. I don't know what's waiting for me at the corner. And it sounds to the to the general public that don't aren't in Central Arkansas. It sounds uh, uh, ridiculous, but for the people that are in Little Rock and Central Arkansas, it doesn't because people are moving to Sherwood or North Little Rock or Benton or Bryant or Conway uh, outside of Little Rock because or Maumelle or Maumelle, Ma- 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 yeah, or Maumelle where I live, yeah. Um, because it's just not like you said the schools are aren't aren't good and uh, it's not safe. Well, and and look, people shouldn't misunderstand us. We all want Little Rock to thrive and yes. succeed. It's the yes. capital city of our state. Okay, this I would argue that it would be it would be difficult for the state to flourish as a whole if our capital city is not vibrant or at least viable. Yeah. You know, as a, as a place to call home. Um, that being said, I mean, they're totally majoring in the minors. I mean, they're yeah. wanting, 
they're wanting fifty million dollars in tax increases, and and you know it's all about whether or not we'll have a giraffe exhibit at yeah. the zoo. You know, instead of focusing on safe neighborhoods, instead of focusing on our schools, on our infrastructure, on the core functions of government, the things yeah. that government is actually supposed to do. Well, they think well. they can. You know, I don't, I don't ever. I have never understood this concept of let's build nice things. And then we'll try to squeeze out uh, – crime's a cancer. We'll try to squeeze out this cancer if we build nice hotels and nice buildings and nice businesses in downtown Little Rock. And somehow everything will just get better. Uh, and it just doesn't – it doesn't work work that way. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, think about malls for, for a second, okay? You can have the, the nicest mall that is palatial and modern and clean, but – once a mall gets a reputation for being unsafe, you can't bring it back. Mm-mm. I mean, people will stop going there if if a mall earns a reputation as being safe. Nobody wants to go shopping in a place where they're going to get shot. Yeah. That's just a fact. And so, um, look, I don't know about you, Ken. Um, I was I was shocked that this went down. I thought it was yeah. I thought it was going to pass. And the reason, as I said earlier. The, the special interest, the people that had a vested interest in this passing, and this is always how it works in these special elections, yeah. okay? The the people who had a vested interest in this passing poured tens upon tens of thousands of dollars into this effort. I mean, I think I checked the the, the spending report just a minute ago, and that back in August they had reported spending almost $130,000 to convince people this was a good idea. Yeah. Um, that number is certain to have grown over the last month and probably by quite a bit. Well, their tone, they pivoted to early childhood education, which only a, a fraction of it actually was going to go to early childhood education, which is not the city's job to be involved in early childhood education anyways. But uh, as you mentioned, <clears throat> yeah, we, we talked last night, you know, early vote came in sixty one thirty nine. And I think, you know, the against got all it got down to maybe 58 percent at one point and then went went back up when Election Day results were coming in. But I'm, you know, m- most most of the time, as you mentioned, these special elections around the state uh, and, and counties and cities, they typically pass because uh, it's like you said, it's in, in September, it's in August, it's in July, it's in some 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 day that people don't really pay attention to well and I, I think one of the differences in this one versus you know in a lot of our communities around the state there's not um uh there's not a robust media presence in this special election there was a lot of tv coverage and newspaper coverage leading up to it so i think word got out much better than in a normal special election i, I had somebody text me last night there was a sales tax election, I think, in Pea Ridge or, or some some uh, community in Northwest mm-hmm. Arkansas, and it passed. Wow! And um, it was it narrowly passed, but you know that's that's the difference. I think you know with the with the television stations covering it and the newspaper state and the newspapers covering it. Um, I think word got out, but I mean we were looking at the financial reports. A minute ago, I mean, the special interest came out strong for this. You had Little Rock lobbyists giving money. I yeah. think the, the Little Rock Chamber dumped in $15,000. Baptist Health spent $10,000. I'm not yeah. sure why Baptist Health. I have felt, no idea. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, 
felt the need to put ten thousand dollars into raising people's taxes here in little rock yeah um well hold that thought we'll delve into the financials there are a couple other special elections in arkansas we'll come up on a break and we'll be delving more into the uh, penny sales tax here in little rock right after the break we're back on the dave ellswick show this is ken yang filling in for the legendary dave ellswick joined by state representative david ray uh we were talking right before the break about the special interest dumping in all the money uh trying to help uh mayor scott uh with his with his deal and and we were just talking about you know and they uh, still failed they, they, they still failed <laughs> and uh it, you know we talk about the pandemic and how you know people need funding and money and whatnot stuff so it is odd that baptist health would dump in i was looking over the break ten thousand dollars into this initiative when uh you know i, I think they should be focused on other things yeah mainly Healthcare. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've heard, Ken, but we're in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, that is really concerning to me. Um, the legislature recently appropriated millions of dollars to assist our hospitals with surge capacity, with making sure that they're able to have, uh, meet the, you know, navigate the nursing shortage yeah. um, so that we have adequate resources to combat. Uh, the surge in cases that we recently experienced. So, you know, if anybody's out there uh, listening and you're part of Baptist Health's government relations team, there's a state representative in central Arkansas that would be curious to know why you thought it was a good good expenditure of money to give $10,000 to try and raise people's taxes in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, th- that's insane. That That drives me crazy. I don't know about you. I mean, and then the zoo, the, what was it? The Zoological Society, yeah, the dumped, foundation dumped in twenty thousand yeah. dollars. When you know, it's very clear they stand. The zoo stands to benefit from the tax increase. I mean, this is how this is how the rent seekers operate. Yeah. Well, I often hear that you know the you know let's just we'll just talk about the zoo for a minute. You know, <clears throat> I've been to other zoos. You have zoos in other states that are just so much nicer than ours, and you get in for free. And here we charge. It's not. If we're honest, it's not that great of a zoo where there's always funding issues. And if you're talking about fun, you know, everyone is there's always funding issues. So I'm wondering, you know, I think it was 25K, 25,000. And I'm just wondering if there's funding issues, then that $25,000 could be spent for something to help, you know, the Zoological Foundation with some something that's animal related. Well, look, there's a lot of there's a lot of layers to this onion. I, I actually I happen to think we have a pretty good zoo. Um, I mean, look, it's not on the level of the St. Louis Zoo or the Columbus Zoo, true, or the San true. Diego Zoo, but we're not a city of that magnitude. I mean, I think for the size city we have, our zoo's quite nice. You know, part of uh, the giraffe thing got a lot of attention yeah. that they were going to put a giraffe exhibit. I, maybe I'm misremembering, but. I thought we had a giraffe. We had exhibit. a giraffe exhibit, and, and then the uh, giraffe killed one of the giraffes. Yeah. Killed the other giraffe. Yes, is that, that what is correct? Yeah, one of the giraffes killed the other giraffes, and then we sent that one giraffe somewhere else. And then so we I closed that exhibit. So if we had a giraffe exhibit and the giraffe just died, why would we need a permanent tax increase to bring back a new giraffe? That just seems. Yeah. And I think the cost was anywhere from thirty to forty million for for a new exhibit. Well, by the way, how tone deaf is it for the leaders in the city of little rock to try and raise people's taxes keep in mind this is a sales tax okay this is a regressive tax meaning that it disproportionately impacts people on the lower end of the income scale 
Okay, yeah. this is not some kind of millionaire Bernie Sanders soak yeah. the rich millionaire surcharge. Okay, this is a sales tax that poor people are going to pay when they buy um, laundry detergent, when they buy trash bags, when they buy um, when they pay their cell phone bill, when they pay their utility bill. That's right. Okay, so in the middle of a pandemic. When workers, so many workers have been displaced, so many people have lost their jobs, so many people are struggling, Frank Scott Jr. thinks the answer is to raise taxes on poor people to fund golf courses and zoo exhibits? Well, Mayor Scott continues to be tone deaf. I don't know if you saw his uh, statement after it failed last night. But, you know, if I was the mayor, I'd be like, I hear you. What did he say? Uh, You know, he he, he doubled down. He said, well, the elect quote, just from Mayor Scott, while the election did not turn out as we hoped, I'm grateful for the members of the city board who placed the proposal before the voters and the people of Little Rock who campaigned with me for a stronger, more vibrant city. Your commitment and sacrifice to help rebuild the rock is to be applauded. I'm deeply appreciative of each of you and look forward to a day when many of the proposals that were part of the Rebuild the Rock come to fruition. We always knew this would be a difficult journey. The pandemic has caused a great deal of uncertainty about the future. In the weeks and months ahead, I will continue to work closely with the board and residents to make the necessary adjustments for the expiring through a tax sales tax. Together, we'll keep fighting for quality early childhood education, amenities for seniors, enhanced parks and recreation, affordable housing for hardworking families, and innovative policing and modernized fire operations. Yeah, so he didn't even acknowledge the the will of the voters. No, he didn't acknowledge that that, uh, 62% of the people said, no, Mayor Scott, your proposal sucks. Yeah, over 13,000 turned out to vote against the tax increase. Um, and only, he doubled down and only said, 7,987. Thank you for the people that supported rebuilding of the rock to the rest of y'all. You know, y'all clearly don't care about the city. That's how, that's how I read it. If I was reading it against, he, he did not acknowledge, did not say, Hey, I hear you people of Little Rock. Yeah, that that's, uh, you know, again, tone deaf, you know, t- just to recap a few things on this, you know, I think this is a huge win for the voters. Um, it's a big deal to turn back a well-funded, well-financed, well-organized sales tax increase that has the backing of all the special interests. I mean, you know, we talked about how Baptist Health was kicking in money and the Little Rock Chamber was kicking in money. There were lobbyists in Little Rock that were yeah. that were donating. We, you had, um, you know. All the engineering firms that stand, yeah, the realtors, that, that association. Stand, yeah, the, you had the engineering firms yep. that standed to uh, presumably benefit from you know projects coming down the pike uh, that 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 kicked in and donated thousands and thousands of dollars. Um, this was a big deal. This was a big deal to turn it back, and um, you know I'm excited. It, it gives me it gives me hope for the future. Um, yeah, you know. I mean, and we were talking over the break. We're about to go on a break, but we we're talking over the break in Batesville. They were trying to raise the property tax to fifteen point two percent. It fell seventy four percent to twenty six percent. Randolph County had a millage failed fifty three to forty seven percent. And uh, you know, I know in some places their millage or tax increase passed, but in many places it didn't. Uh, and, and it's good. Um, and so I, you know, like you said, it, it's. Uh, refreshing 
that people are paying attention and saying no not 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 right now not today uh, especially to mayor scott who's just been trying to ramrod things down the people's people's throats yeah so, but uh we're about to come up on a, a hard break uh, with the news and then we'll be back we'll uh, talk about some of uh, the california recall election and uh, we'll also talk we'll talk a little bit more about uh, uh what's what's going on uh, moving forward when it comes to these uh, uh tax elections uh david's the uh a guy that's leading the way when it comes to special election reform. If y'all remember about, uh, I've traveled the state, talk about special election reform. So we'll talk about special election reform. We'll talk about the California recall uh, uh, election, and we'll be back with the Dave Ellswick Show. We are back on the Dave Ellswick Show this morning. Of course, this is not Dave's voice. Dave's on vacation, enjoying the beaches over there in uh, uh, Florida. Uh, this is Ken Yang, joined by State Representative David Ray this morning. Um, we were talking right before the break. Uh, you know, we're, we've been talking for the first half hour about uh, all these uh, good uh, uh, folks of Arkansas voting against tax increases, which is just good for, for Republicans, good for conservatives, good that the people are engaged. So exciting. But that, that, uh, that it's they sad. defeated the tax yeah. increase. In and life. it's sad that they, you know, that uh, they have to be engaged in a September, in a July, or whatever it may be, not in the May where the primary is, or, or during November, or during an election year uh, where they're already going to be engaged. And so one of the things that uh, I think I talk to you all the time, just in case the listeners don't know, Dave and I are good friends. And uh, and I tell him, you know, as, as I travel the state to speak to Republican groups, I mention David Ray all the time because I tell them special election reform is needed. We need two elections, primary election, general election. And that's when everything is voted on. And you tried to do that, didn't you? Well, I did. So for folks who aren't familiar with the problem, here's basically what it looks like. Uh, Arkansas has what I call a special election problem. Um, local governments across the state. It's, it's usually cities, but it's sometimes counties. It's sometimes school districts. Local governments will hold special elections at irregular and unpredictable and often inconvenient times, like, uh, like when the North Little Rock School District in 2012 held a tax increase on Valentine's Day. Okay, So they will do this as part of a deliberate strategy because they want to self-select to the extent that it's possible who turns out and votes they don't want the the broader general public weighing in they don't want a big turnout what they want is a small turnout they want a small turnout on a date that nobody's expecting an election when they can get the people who have a vested interest in the passage to turn out and vote okay so um you know my belief is that we ought to increase voter turnout by holding our elections at standard, consistent, predictable times. Yep. I don't think this is terribly controversial among the general public. But if you mention this in in uh, among the rent seekers, among the the uh, the special interest crowd, I mean, this is like farting in an elevator. It, it is an unpopular idea to the special interests because this is how they operate. Yep. Uh, this is how they operate. And thankfully, the voters turned back this tax increase in Little Rock. I'm convinced in large part because it got so it, it, it's in the capital city. It's yeah. in the seat of media in the state. And so 
whether it was television coverage or whether it was newspaper articles. I mean, word got out about it. Yeah. You know, a lot of times when yeah. these things happen, it just totally flies under the radar yeah. and people don't know that it's even going on. Well, they can, they can, I uh, think the law allows them to try again in 12 months or in a calendar year, if I remember correctly. Um, and, uh, and that's what they keep doing in Batesville. Batesville keeps uh, uh, voting against the property tax increase and the people who have to continue to come out and uh, uh, vote vote against it. And so I believe it was six years ago, we were one vote away from passing special election reform. Uh, Senator uh, Sturch is well known for being the one to walk out and stopping it. And then it wasn't until this session that you kind of championed uh, moving special elections to two, two days uh, uh and uh, yeah. what happened well we almost passed the bill um we came up six votes short in the house i think we got 46 votes for it so we, we needed 51 yeah. so we came up uh uh we came up five votes short so it, it look uh defeat is not final um there's going to be another crack at this there was a bill passed later in the session that that improved uh, it made minor improvements to the way special elections have to be done um but i don't think went nearly far enough and and i'm going to keep pushing until we get that done because what happens is citizens who don't want to pay high taxes they just have to play whack-a-mole with these special elections and we know through research and through data that special elections lead to higher tax rates. Yes. Um, the Arkansas Center for Research and Economics at UCA, kind of a think tank at UCA, they've done detailed research on this. And and what they've found is since 1981, there have been over 900 local sales tax elections in Arkansas. And about 70% of the time when they're held on a special election date, they pass. But if you hold them on a general election date, only about 50% pass. It's it's more of a coin flip, and yeah. so that's what these local governments are doing by putting it on an, on a special date. They're they're trying to juice their chances. So would your bill have uh, also put uh, school board races kind of in that realm, or would school board races still be separate? Because no, knew- my bill didn't affect school board races. Okay. You know what I was primarily um, going for was um, trying to trying to trying to rein in these out of control tax hikes. Yep, um, but you know. Uh, this would all, this is a reform that would also save taxpayers money. Yes, because you know, it costs money to to do a special election. It costs tens of thousands of dollars to yeah. put on a special election in a city the size of Little Rock. Yes, uh, even in even in smaller areas, it costs many thousands of dollars, and the cost to put on an election is not going down. Okay, no. because the minimum wage keeps growing going up. You got to pay poll workers. Um, you know, labor costs keep going up. Um, so why, you know, um, why? So we have seventy-eight uh, Republicans, and we can only get forty-six to support your proposal. What's stopping uh, the other thirty-two Republicans? I'm assuming all forty-six were Republicans. So what's, yeah. so what's stopping the other thirty-two well, the, from joining? You're right. Um, the real holdup is that pol- political incentives on this issue are not aligned in favor of the reform position. Okay, what do I mean by that? Well, on any given vote, there are people who support something and people who oppose something. Um, it, the people who oppose this type of reform are very vocal. Okay, these are your school districts; these are your school superintendents that are calling legislators, saying 
don't take away my authority to levy a property tax increase on any date that I choose. Yeah. Okay. So um, legislators are generally receptive to phone calls from their school districts and their superintendents, which they should be. Okay. I know if my school district has a position or a, um, uh, has has um, an opinion on an issue, I'd like to know what that is. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily mean I just rubber stamp it. I'd just like to know what it is. But a lot of legislators will do whatever um, the, their mayors or another big lobby. Um, the municipal league is, uh, in my opinion, um, one of the, the groups in Arkansas that is most opposed to the types of reforms we need to move our state forward. So, um, you know, you get a lot of that. You get mayors and superintendents and school districts calling legislators and then the benefit to the citizens, the citizens by and large support this type of reform. Yes. But the benefit to them is so dispersed that nobody gets worked up enough to call their legislator and say, hey, you really need to vote for this reform because in some other community across the state, it's going to save them uh, from paying higher property taxes yeah. or higher sales taxes. You know, people just people well, just think, don't always make that connection. Well, I think it's going to start happening because, uh, you know, I was in the Newport a few months ago and they had a special uh, election for a tax increase for newport and for jackson county and i believe it passed and uh you know the people weren't happy about it and every every representative that touched uh, that uh, um <clears throat> county voted against your uh, special election reform and so i think people yeah. are starting to see that hey if i want my taxes low or if i actually want the people to have an actual voice on it uh, I'm going to start supporting special election reform. Well, that's good because I, I think that's one of the it's one of the top things we could do to stop runaway uh, tax increases at the local level is yeah. to really rein in the special election problem that we have. Well, by average, you know, according to the Tax Foundation, we're the third. I think we drop from number two to number three, but there's not really that much difference. Third nationally, an average uh, state and local uh, sales tax. Yeah, and we we didn't fall from two to three because our taxes went down. No. Just to be clear, we we dropped from two to three because Louisiana increased their taxes that's right. faster than that's, we did. That's right. <laughs> so it's not really much to celebrate. No, no. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, and this is one of the things that I'm I'm working on tackling in the legislature is, you know, our state government taxes way too much and spends way too much. And if you look at the three big buckets of taxes property tax, sales tax, and income tax. Um, Look, on sales tax, we're the second highest in the country for state and local combined. Uh, The last election, um, the the special interest rammed through a a permanent sales tax increase in our Constitution. Okay. Um, Somebody asked me the other day, why can't we fully eliminate the sales tax on groceries? I thought we did that. Well, you got to remember, statutorily, in the law, we've removed the sales tax on groceries, but there's some taxes that are not statutory. Yeah. There's some sales taxes that are constitutional. There's the conservation sales tax. There's the, the, the half-cent sales tax that's now permanently in our Constitution. So, you know, you'd have, to, you'd have to do a constitutional amendment to get around that. So that's sort of the folly of, of putting taxes in our Constitution. But... We've got a lot of work to do in this state if we're going to 
be competitive from an income tax standpoint, if we're going to have a sales tax rate that's not oppressively high like we yeah. do now, it's going to take a lot of work. Yeah. A lot of work. We talk about, uh, I was hearing when uh, the Buc- the Tamp- Tampa Bay Buccaneers were, were playing this uh, weekend and or this week, and they said, you know, that Tom Brady used the fact that there was no income tax in Florida to prevent uh, Gronkowski from coming to play for the Bucks. That was one of his biggest selling points is, hey, come play for the Tampa Buccaneers. You're going to make millions of dollars and not have to pay income tax. Heck yeah. And uh, that goes for anyone, you know, making any money here in uh, Arkansas. And so we'll appreciate all your work you're doing, special election reform. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm supportive and I always talk about it. But uh, we're coming up on uh, another break, and then, as I mentioned before, we'll come back. We'll talk about a little bit about national politics, about the California recall election when we return. We are back on the Dave Ellswick Show, last segment of the hour before the top of the hour where Congressman French Hill will be joining us. Uh, But uh, for this next, uh, I believe, uh, nine minutes or so, eight, nine minutes or so, we're going to talk a little bit national politics uh, state of California tried to recall Gavin Newsom, Governor Newsom, and uh, unfortunately, it failed by a lot. Yeah, you know, California is just sort of a dystopian state at this point. I mean, th- there's look, it was a long shot for any Republican to prevail. And the last Republican governor that California had was Pete Wilson. Okay, it's been decades yeah. since they've had a Republican governor. The only hope that Republicans have in that state is that a Democrat gets into the governor's office and becomes so unbelievably unpopular that they get recalled, and then the recall effort prevails, and then the Republicans then have a chance at getting uh, winning the the recall election. Yeah, it was you know early on. There were a lot of polls that indicated that this could be close, that, that Newsom might actually mm-hmm. get recalled. Um, I think there was some apathy on the Democratic side that they weren't paying attention early on to the recall effort. Maybe they didn't think it was going to be successful. Um, but I, late in the game, Democrats woke up. And, yeah, and I they, think uh, Elizabeth, and, Elizabeth Warren came out. I think Biden was there recently. Yeah, Kamala yeah. Harris went yeah. out and did a rally, I think. Yeah. And, and there's so many Democrats in California that it's almost mathematically impossible for a Republican to prevail statewide, um, which is really a shame because if any place needs to be a two-party state, California yeah. could really use it. Um, but, you know, 60, it, the, the final numbers ended up being 60, 64.2% voted no on the recall. Um, look, I didn't – I was never under – Ken, I was never under any – illusions that gavin newsom was actually in danger but i will say that you know i'm 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 personally disappointed because the republican candidate that got the most votes was larry elder yes and i'm a big fan of larry elder oh yeah i mean look i know anybody that's anybody that has to spend hours a day on the radio uh and then decides to go into run for public office kind of becomes a lightning rod because anything you've ever said can and will be used against yeah, you in the yeah. court of public opinion. Yeah. But Larry, look, Larry Elder is uh, an articulate spokesperson for conservative ideas and beliefs. Um, you know, California's never had an African-American governor. 
No. And, but the, they, but, and the Republicans yeah. put forward a great African-American candidate to be governor. He got, I think, 46 percent of the recall votes. I believe you're right. And, yeah. uh, you know, what's sad is, you know, if any if the listeners have been following that recall election, the left tried to do a good job of painting uh, African-American Larry Elder as a racist. Well, they did. And then and then you had. The, these incidents where like Larry Elder was getting attacked out on the campaign trail. Yeah. You had a there was this one scene uh, I'm sure you can find it on YouTube where where a a white woman wearing a gorilla mask. Okay, mm-hmm. think think about I'm going to say that again just so it sinks in. A white woman wearing a gorilla mask started trying to throw eggs at Larry Elder as he was just walking down the street. I mean, think about it and most people probably never even heard that this incident occurred like last week if this were a tea party activist wearing a tri tri-cornered hat that had been throwing eggs at say barack obama would he or, or or kamala harris yeah what do you think the outrage level would be it would lead every story on cable news that's right for a week and it would be it would be considered evidence of america's endemic racism yeah you know which it's it's amazing what the media lets the left get away with. Oh yeah, because shortly after that incident you talked about, there's a picture of him reaching out, uh, uh, giving uh, a supporter a hug, and you know his hands kind of uh, on on her, you know, reaching out towards her face, about to about to hug her, and it looks, you know, they, but they've painted it as like he confronted uh, his uh, uh, you know opposition, and it looked like he was. Uh, physically assaulting uh, this lady and that's how how they made it the news articles were you know larry elder confronts uh opposition and whatnot and it was like it's a picture of him hugging one of his supporters but they just caught him in mid hug and it looks like he was doing something bad and he wasn't and uh, media got away with it meanwhile the real gubernatorial abuser in new york governor former governor cuomo yeah uh you know gets all sort of air cover from the press for his misdeeds um finally those caught up with him thankfully yeah but yeah look california gosh california just has so many problems as a state it's there you know they have the crime problem they have the homelessness problem um we've all seen the videos on fox news of, of people just going into walgreens stores and just ransacking them yeah they're not you, arresting you really have people. to live away from the coast uh to to be safe well and, and then to, if you live away from the coast you've got the wildfire problem because yeah, they're not yeah. managing their forests properly yeah. i mean california just has such uh the, the the air quality issues out there the water quality issues out there they have such a bevy of problems and because they're a you know they are mindlessly led by a one-party state they, they have no solutions yeah, no, to, I agree. I mean, speak of. and the you know the the only you know we mentioned this uh, you know to wrap up, but to to, to all, the only bright light, silver lining, and we were talking about this during break is they're losing a congressional seat. Well, they are. I mean, look, for the first time in the history of their statehood, California is not only not gaining a congressional seat, they're losing a congressional seat. No. And look, the 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 Cal Exit movement. You know, the movement of people leaving California to go to uh, states with better business climates, better quality of life, um, yeah. the, you know, 
that's that's another thing I we didn't mention about California. The cost of living is just so astronomical that middle class people cannot afford to live there nope. anymore. And so people are leaving for Texas. They're leaving for Arizona. They're leaving for Nevada. These are states that are particularly, for the, by, by and large, they're well run. Yeah. And, and some notable people. I mean, you know, Joe Rogan left for Texas, I think. That's right. Uh, Elon Musk yeah, Elon, left for yeah. Texas. Yeah. Uh, ben Shapiro left from Florida. So, you know, the Cal exit thing is sort of catching on. No, I, you're right. And, and these are places with better tax structures, uh, school choice. Yeah. Uh, and so better better ability to, to raise your children and, and dictate where, you know, your parents' choice of where, where, where you want your kids to go to get a good education. So that's the, that's the I said, silver lining about, uh, about California as people are leaving. And so, look, uh, uh, it, the election may not have turned out the way we wanted last night in California, although that was a really long shot to, be, to begin with. But yeah. uh, at least here in Little Rock, the voters turned down That's right. bigger government. They voted in favor of lower taxes. Um, you know, there's some stuff to be yeah, uh, to smile about this to morning. celebrate. Yes, yes. Well, we'll be back at the here in a few minutes with Congressman French Hill. We'll talk about what's happening up in D.C. the dave ellswick show man that intro just never gets old i wish i you know one day one day uh when i'm somebody like dave ellswick i'll get a band to record me something like that that'd be so cool man uh, i don't know who i'd get to record me something like that but uh, we're on dave ellswick show this morning we got state representative david ray across uh, from me and as usual every wednesday we have congressman french hill on the line good morning congressman Ken, great to be with you and Dave. Appreciate that. Uh, yes, thank you, thank you. Uh, well, you know, um, you always give us great updates up in D.C., and I think the biggest the biggest thing right now is the monopoly money uh, that the, that your Democrat friends seem to be spending. I believe it's three point five trillion dollars worth of spending, and I don't know where they're going to get all this money. Well, uh, look, you've got to really put this in perspective because Americans are busy taking their school kids to school this morning, focusing on their work. We spend four and a half trillion dollars a year to run the federal government. That's everything. Aircraft carriers, Medicare, Medicaid, all the costs. That's basically what it costs. On top of that, Joe Biden is proposing to spend the one point nine trillion that he passed in February 
a $1 trillion infrastructure bill and this $3.5 trillion. That's what people have to focus on, is that on top of the regular spending, we're proposing to spend that much more additional money. And let's not forget, we spent $5 billion in 2020 and 2021 that were appropriated last year to fight COVID-19 and the economic devastation of COVID-19. So that's why we're facing this monopoly money problem that's out of control. And this week, the news in Washington is get ready to have your taxes increase to try to cover some of that monopoly spending. Yeah, Congressman, this is David Ray. I I was just reading in Politico yesterday that I think among the tax increases that they're proposing in here – they want to hike the corporate tax rate from 21% to 26.5%, undoing some of the, the gains that were made under the last administration. Then they want to hike the capital gains rate. Then they want to put in an, a 3% income surcharge on you know this sort of soak the rich kind of, kind of tax that, that AOC and, and Bernie Sanders want to see. Um, they, they want to put a minimum tax on U.S. companies – foreign income um they want to put new taxes uh you know almost a hundred billion in new taxes on tobacco and nicotine i mean what what is the what are they thinking well let's uh, your list is a good list but let's keep going they're proposing to raise the rate on the estate tax and lower the amount that can be excluded from the state tax estate tax which really hurts people in Arkansas that own farms, that own timberland, that own small businesses that are not publicly traded. All those things will be under pressure if they want to try to pass those shares on to other family members. And that's particularly tough in the agricultural business because it's so highly leveraged. So they want to do away with that. They want to also raise income taxes on small businesses beyond the corporate rate. And so Joe Biden, in this summary, has broken his pledge in the campaign of not raising taxes on people who make less than $400,000. That is a four Pinocchio level, uh, absolute misleading uh, policy by Biden. And so millions of people are going to pay higher taxes, small businesses, big businesses, uh, family farms, everybody is going to bear this burden right at the time when we're trying to get people back to work. This what doesn't make any sense to me. More mandates, more regulation, more taxes, making it harder to start a business is exactly what you shouldn't do if you're trying to get people back to work. And we have 8 million people we want to get back to work. Well, yes, and, and especially with the, with, with the heightened concerns that folks have about inflation, uh, and prices going up, it, it, I have to imagine the folks that listen to this program can't think it's a good idea to spend, you know, three and a half trillion new dollars of funny money in Washington. What can you handicap this for us? What, what I mean, what are the odds that that Biden is going to be successful on this? Uh, they're medium. I mean, normally you would say if you control the Senate and you control the House and you control the White House, you ought to be able to pass your priorities through budget reconciliation. But there's some Democrats that have real concerns about this in the House, and Nancy Pelosi can only lose four votes, four votes in the House. And, of course, Joe Manchin, uh, the senator from West Virginia, Democrat, and Kirsten Sinema, 
the senator from Arizona, Democrat, have both raised strong concerns with the $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill drafted by Bernie Sanders. They're more centrist Democrats. So I would say uh, this bill's in trouble, but it's not dead yet. And with the control of the House and the Senate and the White House, Biden has the advantage, the slight advantage. Yeah. Well, Congressman Hill, I know uh, Republicans try to add some amendments uh, to 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 all of this to you know actually actually help people you know actually help homeowners actually help those trying to uh, you know fix the emergency rental assistance uh, program for those that are behind on rent and all that stuff and um you know what what are some of the things that that could be fixed if if you know if the democrats were willing to listen what what would be some of your top line items well uh, we passed rental assistance money in december $25 billion, and then the Democrats added $21 billion to it in March, and about 10% of that money has been gotten out by the Treasury Secretary and the HUD Secretary. Again, it's lack of leadership. It's incompetence. They've made it harder to get the money to tenants who are suffering from past rent and landlords who desperately need the income for their own livelihood to repair their apartments. And so we made uh, motions on the House floor, I mean, in the House committee this week to fix all that. But they were all voted down by the Democrats. They've dilly-dallied on this, hoping that they could just keep an eviction moratorium going in perpetuity. Uh, It's just, again, an example of I don't know how Americans elect, uh, you know, Democrats as president of the United States. It's (laughs) it's just exercising incompetence. You know, it really is because I'm reading – you know, something as simple that said, hey, let's require that those that receive rental assistance to actually use the funds to repay their rent. Sounds controversial. <laughs> and and they, they were against it. They voted no. I said, uh, oh, and also, let's make sure we target your new subsidy for first-time homebuyers, that it's actually a first-time homebuyer. Their definition was, well, if you haven't owned a house in three years, you're a first-time home buyer. Their definition for rental assistance was, in the original bill that we passed in December, was you had lost your job and you had a hardship due to COVID-19. You were off work. You were watching your kids. Your job had been eliminated. You couldn't pay your rent. We wanted The whole purpose of the money was to pay rent in arrears catch people up who had a COVID-19 impact. Well, their bill, you don't even have to have had COVID-19 or any impact from COVID-19. In fact, in their new mortgage proposal that they have, you don't even have to have had a problem in 2020. You're going to have a financial hardship and get money from the federal government to pay your mortgage. So these are untargeted, unfocused, far-left uh, new policies that the one group of people that are never represented in the discussion are the taxpayers. This is the taxpayers' money, and we're fighting for it to be used in the only, the most effective, targeted way, and only in the amount that's required. And the Democrats have the exact opposite point of view. Congressman, what 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 are your concerns? I mean, look, uh, I mentioned the inflation issue and and people's concerns about that i I hear a lot of that just talking to ordinary folks what are your concerns about pumping three and a half trillion dollars into the economy through this bill 
Well, I've said this uh, since last year, uh, that my concern was that we're printing money at the Federal Reserve through the Federal Reserve's policies at too rapid a rate, and we're spending too much taxpayer money, fiscal money. That means you have a very expansive fiscal policy. That's when we print the money and spend it uh, like Bernie Sanders wants to, and uh, a Federal Reserve policy that buys that debt we're issuing. So to me, it's very inflationary. It's the most rapid growth of money in two generations. We're seeing inflation now that's destroying people's earnings. Under Donald Trump, we had falling unemployment for women, falling unemployment for African-Americans, falling uh, unemployment for uh, Hispanic families. And in each instance, they had higher real wages. Even at the low end, that's the fastest growth. We had higher real income for families. Joe Biden has taken all that away with his policies of inflation. And so people are now making less money than they were making last year due to inflation. So it's a double, sorry, it's a double whammy because on the one end, they're trying to raise your taxes. And on the other end, they're devaluing the money that they're gracious enough to let you keep. Yeah, well, it's a triple. It's a triple whammy. They're making it harder to get a job. They're making it harder to start a business to create jobs. They're raising taxes on income, raising taxes on business income, and uh, you're losing the value of your dollar. Groceries cost more, gas costs more, labor costs more, and that is the reality mm-hmm. Americans are facing right now. And here's my one-liner that I love: Why is Jimmy Carter, our former president? still alive because he said he never wanted to die until there was a president worse than he was elected and we've done it we got joe biden we got it we have the worst economy since jimmy carter was president yeah we got it well democrats uh, continue to do what they do and we, we're thankful you're up there fighting we're about to come on a, on a break congressman and when we come back we'll talk about the federal uh, covid vaccine mandate your thoughts and uh, what we can do to uh, to fight back we'll be back in a couple minutes we are back on the Dave Ellswick Show. This is Ken Yang filling in for the legendary Dave Ellswick. We got about uh, seven minutes before we hit a hard break, but we got uh, Representative David Ray joining me here in studio. And then, of course, as usual, Congressman French Hill fighting for us against the uh, Pelosi, Biden, Harris leftist agenda. Uh, and part of that agenda now, as we saw uh, with uh, Biden last week, was. Uh, federally mandating vaccines to uh, to almost about everyone i believe that had a hundred or more employees and anyone that's federally contracted so on and so forth so what's the what's uh, your thoughts on that the temperature of uh, what if, if and congress can do anything about that well, I don't support uh, that mandate. I don't think it's the right way to go. I think it creates more resistance to uh, the vaccine and makes it harder for uh, businesses to get employees back. So I think this frustrates that effort. Businesses ought to have the right to design the safety protocols for their uh, places of work. That's their obligation. And so they can use remote work. They can use testing. They can use masks. They can use vaccine. They use it as they're working with their employees on whatever's right for them at their place of work. So I think this mandate is a huge overreach. I think using OSHA uh, weaponizes uh, the workplace safety effort and involves a bunch of businesses that don't have anything to do with OSHA. 
And so now workers on top of paying higher taxes, employers on top of paying higher taxes and more regulations are going to start filling out paperwork to prove that they've complied with this, which just bogs down the system even more. Um, Congress, of course, many in Congress oppose this. They'll be actively voicing that opposition. But I think the states, including our own state, uh, our Attorney General Leslie Rutledge, will certainly file suit here as an overreach, and it'll go into the courts. Congressman, one of the things – so first of all, I'll say a couple of things. One, you know, you and I have both uh, been very pro-vaccine, but I don't think it's inconsistent at all to be pro-vaccine but also anti-big government mandate. Um, The second thing I would – and this is my question – I don't understand. I mean, this this mandate is completely undemocratic. And when I say undemocratic, I mean the president is just completely bypassing the democratic process. And and this is a very disturbing trend. You know, Obama did this in many instances. Um, you know, re- Republicans are not guiltless in this. Both parties um, have overreached from time to time. But it just seems like th- there's I mean, Biden just thinks that Congress is is a vestigial organ, like a like the tail on a frog, or something. How can he do this just by basically decree? Well, time and time again, this has been a problem. I, I think your example of President Obama in creating DACA that was something that the courts have had a mixture of opinions on. That it went way beyond the, his legal framework to use his executive authority. Instead of tweaking the immigration system to suddenly declare 12 million people or more um, on a path to citizenship, the same is true with the CDC's, in my opinion, eviction moratorium last year that the CDC did under President Trump. I didn't support that. I thought it was an overreach. I didn't think it would be supported, and it's now been struck down by the Supreme Court twice. Um, So these things happen, and what we have to recognize is in a federal republic like we have, a lot of these decisions are left to the states and to the governors on purpose. And that's where Joe Biden started. He said he didn't have the authority to do this kind of thing, that it was up to the states to deal with dealing with the pandemic locally, using local input, seeing what the citizens there thought was the best approach. And I still think that is the best approach. So Biden knows he's wrong to do this, and he did it anyway. And I think the same was true for President Obama when he created a whole new class, <clears throat> excuse me, a whole new class of people for American citizenship without the approval of Congress. Yeah. Well, how, uh, you know, how quickly can they roll out this federal mandate? I know, you know, I was watching one of the White House briefings, and they said they were still working on the rollout. Um, but it seems like the states do have some time to 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 uh, oppose this um but it also seems like a big uh, undertaking for the federal government to roll out and are they like are they tying it into anything are they saying hey if you don't abide by this you're going to lose federal dollars oh yeah there's huge fines yeah there's fourteen thousand dollar a day fines Oof. uh but they still have to get it out put it in the federal register get it uh voiced uh So you're right. It takes time. I mean, we approved $25 billion for rental assistance in December, and the federal government can't get it out. So, I mean, this is is just why it's impractical to make these big pronouncements and try to govern uh, this complex, big, diverse, geographically enormous uh, country by, you know, presidential decree. It's not how our government is set up. 
So I think it'll be a huge challenge. I think you'll have serious pushback on it, which I'll add, as David Ray just said, being vaccinated is an important tool. People should talk to their doc about being vaccinated. Vaccinated people have less implications from COVID-19, even if they got COVID-19. Their symptoms are less. Their recovery is faster. And our hospitals are filled with unvaccinated people. 88% of the people in the hospital are unvaccinated. So vaccinations uh, are something that people ought to make a personal decision about, talk to their doctor, and seek their own personal knowledge and education about it. Congressman, uh, you know, this is what I sort of think about this, and I'm wondering if you agree. I feel like to a large extent, you know, Biden is failing on the economy. Inflation is rising. Um there's a massive uh, labor shortage, workforce shortage, whatever you want to call it. Um, the, the, he's failing in Afghanistan. Is this just a distraction from is, – is he just trying to shift the, the the attention of voters from his policy failures in other areas? Well, uh, and you left out this immense failure on the border where we have millions of people being caught on the border. And by the way, who are unvaccinated and who Joe Biden doesn't propose to vaccinate. So uh, I think it is not a distraction. I think the only thing that he started out the year going for him was the rollout of the vaccines, which was the Donald Trump vaccine and the rollout plan from the Trump administration. But it was working. And so. He's now lost America's confidence on the border, in Afghanistan, in the economy, and now he's lost it in the fight because of the Delta variant. So I think he was trying to recover the one area where he had some political credibility, and I I just don't think this is the way to do it. Yeah. Well, thanks again, as always, for uh, joining us, uh, Congressman Hill. Uh, uh, we'll I'll, we'll talk to you next week and appreciate all that you're doing for us, for Arkansas, for the nation up there in D.C. Yes, thank Keep you. Keep up the fight. Thank you, guys. Thanks, David. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Well, we're at the, we're at uh, about to hit a hard break with the news, and then we'll be right back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We're back on the Dave Ellswick Show with the state representative, not senator, state representative David Ray, maybe state senator one day, who knows. But... Uh, um, we, I've mentioned it. Uh, Representative Ray is going to stay with me for one more segment, and then I'll, I'll close the close the show out. But I told Representative Ray that we'll talk about uh, extended session. You are coming back on September 29th to resume the long recess y'all have, but to take up redistricting. And and f- let's be clear for everyone that's on social media that sees these Democrats be and moaning about. Uh, redistricting and about gerrymandering and about partisanship and whatnot. This is the first time in the history of Arkansas that Republicans have drawn the lines. The lines that have the supermajority Republicans in, in the House and Senate are lines drawn by Democrats. So do not fall into their narrative of all this partisanship. But anyways, I just want to let it known that a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people think that we drew the line. Democrats have always drawn the lines. This is the first time Republicans are getting to do so. You're right. You're right. And that's, look, the way the process works is every 10 years, there's a census that's laid out in our U.S. Constitution. And the results of the census uh, tell us over time, over a period of 10 years, how population has shifted and changed. And as a result of that, we redraw our congressional lines. 
uh, every state redraws their lines. Some states do it in different ways. Some states use a so-called independent commission. Um, I think that's a horrible approach because those commissions are not independent. No. Okay. There, there's going to be human bias no matter um, no matter what system you use. Um, but if in Arkansas, our congressional lines are drawn by the legislature. Yes. And I think that's a good thing because if you don't like your lines, how those turn out, you can hold your elected officials accountable. Yeah. Uh, you can also, if you'd like your lines to be drawn in a certain way, you can petition your elected officials. Um, with an independent commission, why should an independent commission listen to the citizens? They're not, uh, they're not accountable to the citizens in any way. Elected officials, you know, you may not think that an individual elected official is accountable, but the truth is uh, they are accountable because if they're not, they won't be accountable. They won't be unaccountable for too long because yeah. they'll be voted out. Yeah. So we're going to be redrawing the congressional lines. Um, you're correct to point out that the existing lines that we have were drawn 10 years ago when Democrats controlled the legislature. Um, you know, Arkansas has, I think, uh, I think by and large, our congressional districts make a lot of sense. You know, there's going to have to be some changes in all four of the districts yep. to adjust for population. You know, if you look at northwest Arkansas, you know, Washington and Benton County counties, those two counties alone grew by 100,000 yeah. people. And I think you could shave a little bit off the Fayetteville finger uh, probably and make it make it make it less so where we, where we have that. You know, that that was drawn on purpose for for Congressman Ross at that at that time. Yeah, former Congressman Yeah, Ross. former Congressman Ross, uh, yes. And, and, and then the first and the fourth districts, you know, those a lot of those counties are losing population. Yes. You know, in the first district, a lot of your river counties have lost significant population. Um, in the fourth district, South Arkansas, a lot of those counties have, uh, have experienced population decline as well. So, um, and then... On the other side of the, like I said, the the legislature will redraw the congressional lines, our legislative lines. A lot of people think that we draw our own lines. No. We do not draw no. our own lines. Um, our legislative lines are drawn by what is called the board of apportionment. Yep. That's a three-person panel. It's made up of the governor, the secretary of state, and the attorney general. So Asa Hutchinson, John Thurston, and Leslie Rutledge are the three people on that panel. That panel draws the state Senate lines and the state representative lines. Correct. Correct. So, Cause, yeah, because I served on the uh, redistricting team for the Secretary of State back in 2011 when Mark Martin was the only Republican on that panel. That was Mike Beebe, mm-hmm. Mark Martin, and Dustin McDaniel. And so it was always a two-to-one two vote. didn't really matter what Mark thought about the lines. And, and I remember sitting there, sitting in the, in the office with the team, and someone would come in and say, uh, Mike Beebe, Governor Beebe says uh, draw this line for representative so-and-so for senator so-and-so and we would do it because you know the vote was going to be two to one uh you know and we would draw the lines and uh you know that's they 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 attempted really really hard to draw the lines as best as they could knowing the wave that was coming uh tea party wave and all that stuff knowing the wave that was coming they attempted to draw the lines for democrats as best as they could and as we as we've seen they failed but yet there's the Democrats today 
uh, still trying to blame us for the lines that they they've drawn. Yeah. Um, so we're going to come in and do redistricting, and then I'm expecting that to be followed by a special session yeah. where we come back in to enact tax cuts. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited about this because uh, I felt like we left the, the, the regular session in January, or well, I guess we left in April. Yeah. We left the regular session in April not having done nearly enough in the way of tax relief for hardworking Arkansans. Yeah. We had done some small things. We increased the exemption on um, uh, sales tax for automobiles, used automobiles. We had um, made the PPP loans tax-free to help out businesses that were struggling in the pandemic. But in terms of broad-based rate reductions that are permanent, you know, there really wasn't anything that passed. And so I'm excited for the chance to come back in. And redu- are we are we actually going to cut taxes and not raise them elsewhere? I mean, I know you can't see into the future, but that's a, you've been in this fight long enough that that's always the concern. We always hear revenue neutral, which is not really a real thing. Yeah, I'm not at this point. I'm not hearing anything about you know raising one tax and lowering an, uh, another. What I'm hearing are is you know there's a there's a big appetite to cut rates. Um, and not raise taxes elsewhere to quote recoup that um you know i i think it's very it's very possible that we take our our top rate from 5.9% down to 5.5% um just as an initial um uh, measure that we take that that would be a big deal because if you it doesn't sound like much just taking four tenths of a percent but four tenths is actually a lot it represents over a hundred million dollars yeah um then you go back to where we stood in 2014 in 2014 our top income tax rate was seven percent yeah okay it's hard to it's hard to imagine but we were i mean as uncompetitive as we are now we were even more uncompetitive then so we've gone from seven percent all the way down to 5.9 poised to i think go to 5.5 that puts us within striking distance of five percent or 4.9 i think we can get on a track to get there pretty quickly in a matter of just a few years and if we did that we would really uh you know look i would like to take us to zero eventually but you can't do that overnight yeah um because you got to you have revenue needs. Mm-hmm. You got to fund schools plan, and prisons and, and ahead of time. core functions yeah. of government. But um, but but this would be a huge step forward in our competitiveness. And you can you know conser- there's conservative groups out there that that have online rankings and calculators yeah. and things, and you can see how how our competitiveness yeah. would improve. We'd go from on the income tax front, we'd go from 25 to about 18. If we could eventually get our rate down to four point nine percent, well, I have a concern, and I think uh, I've brought this concern to others. And uh, you know, y'all will come back for redistricting. There might be other things on the docket. We'll talk more about that next week. Um, but y'all will end the extended session, and the governor will call a special session. My concern is here in the state of Arkansas, when the governor calls a special session, he sets the agenda. I don't understand. Why, as legislators, y'all would allow the governor to set the agenda for tax cuts and not do that yourselves? Well, I was I was in favor of us doing tax cuts back in the regular session. I know you were from yes. January to yes. April. Um, 
we can't uh, – I don't think that we are permitted by, by the rules from bringing this up when we reconvene at the end of this month because the resolution that we passed was specifically related to redistricting and COVID-related yeah. stuff. And I don't think you could – I don't think you could jam the square peg of tax cuts into the round hole of redistricting and COVID. Um, however – you know, there is going to be a constitutional amendment on the ballot um, in 2022 that would allow the legislature to call itself into special session. So if that's something that you feel strongly about, that you think we ought to determine what the call, you know, what the call is on a on a particular session like that, yeah. then that may be something to yeah. consider. Yeah. So. Well, good. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a good one. And then there's another one that you put on there that uh, makes it to where, you know, constitutional amendments have to pass by 60 percent of the vote. Yeah, so that's another that's another great one. And, and next next time we next time we get together on the radio, we need to. Devote yeah, some time we'll, to we'll, we'll talk that. more about that. But they, they, since Representative Ray was the was the guy that uh, that, uh, you know, championed that and got that on the ballot. So be you'll be, you'll be able to vote for that uh, coming up next november well i appreciate you coming in uh representative ray always always good your insights are great you're one of the intellect in my opinion one of the intellectual uh, conservative minds up there in little rock so i always well, appreciate kind, talking to that's you that's kind of you to say thank you for having me on and um next time uh y'all are watching football at buffalo wild wings make sure to invite me yeah <laughs> we'll do it we'll do it we'll appreciate you we're going headed to break and we'll be back with our last segment we are back on the Dave Ellswick Show. This is Ken Yang filling in for Dave on this uh, Wednesday. I'll be back next Wednesday to fill in for Dave one uh, last time before he gets back from vacation. I believe tomorrow Senator Kim Hammer will be the one filling in uh, for Dave. But uh, uh, Representative Ray had to uh, move on, get to get to work. So I got about seven or eight minutes here where I can do my therapeutic uh, venting uh, for those that are are listening. But I'm just going to piggyback off of Representative Ray and and the session that's coming up and redistricting. Um, if 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 you follow this, you can actually go on the Arkansas Legislative website now, and bills are being filed in regards to the congressional redistricting. So you can go on the website, see see what bills have been filed when it comes to how they're wanting or the discussion about how they're going to draw the uh, four congressional lines and call your state rep or state senators and let them know how you feel. So, for instance, you know, I'm a, I'm from Saline County. I'm a firm believer that Saline. County needs to stay in the second congressional district, not move to anywhere else because we're part of central Arkansas. And so I've, I've let that uh, be known to my reps and senators and to even other reps and senators, especially those that serve on uh, House and Senate state agencies. That's the committee you'll go through as House and Senate state agencies. They're going to start meeting uh, next week, have three joint committee meetings uh, starting next week, and they'll be discussing that. And, uh, you know, it's just important, you know, no one's talking about partisanship, gerrymandering, whatnot. Uh, important, we're going to draw uh, fair lines. We're not going to do, you know, a Fayetteville finger like the Democrats have done. But it's just, you know, it's just just ridiculous seeing these Democrats on social media talk about how awful Republicans are, how unfair we are when it comes to drawing these legislative lines. And I'm just thinking, y'all drew them. 
You drew these specifically for Democrats. You drew Republicans out of their House seats. You drew Republicans with other Republicans in Senate and House seats on purpose 10 years ago. I was there. I saw it. And it's just absolutely priceless that y'all come back and blame Republicans for the mess that y'all have made, for the mess that y'all have made for the past 138 years that Republicans are having to clean up today, not just redistricting, but everything else. They're at high taxes. The fact that we have to pass so many pro-life laws because y'all continue supporting pro-choice and pro-abortion uh, uh, type legislation that y'all passed uh, years ago, Re- religious liberty uh you know the list goes on and on and on and it's just priceless seeing them and then you know now they're hiding they're hiding behind these nonpartisan nonpartisan i have air quotes if you're listening on the on the radio nonpartisan nonprofit groups saying we're nonpartisan we just want what's good for the people yeah if you look up who runs these nonpartisan groups is these flaming left-wing socialist liberals running these groups it's not there's nothing nonpartisan about them. Uh, and then and you, you even go further. You have Republicans defecting uh, and good riddance to those defecting and joining uh, common ground, joining joining this ridiculous thing saying, oh, we common ground. We're in the middle. Well, you know what? What common ground is? Common ground has everything in common with the Democratic Party of Arkansas. That's what they have in common. They're not pro-life. They're not for lower taxes. They're not for anything that the conservative Christian conservative realm wants. And so don't fall into that either. So we have a lot of battling to do when it comes to this primary season that's going to happen in May. Lines are going to be redrawn. People are going to start announcing for re-election or not running or people are going to start announcing to challenge some of uh, our Republican friends, and it's just going to happen. And so uh, if you're interested in redistricting and those things, call your legislature. And, you know, they're coming back. And as uh, Representative Ray mentions in, in the resolution that they passed to extend session, one of the things that they can talk about is anything that deals with COVID-19. And what what deals with COVID-19 vaccines, the mandating of vaccines uh, by uh, the federal government, the mandating of vaccines by local businesses here, uh, employer mandates, just to be honest. Uh, we've always had employer mandates, but we, there's always been reasonable accommodations for people. People have never had to choose between their well-being, uh, how they make their living in life, how they support their uh, family with the uh, with the, you know with having to get a uh, vaccination. There's always been a, a a choice when it comes to that. So if you want the legislature to take up vaccines, call your state rep. Call your state senator today and say, hey, I want you to take up this issue of employer mandates of vaccines. Furthermore, if you want them to take our CRT, the, the bill that we that we had that would have banned uh, CRT uh, by Representative Mark Lowry that passed the House education to pass the House and got stopped in Senate ed by Senator James Sturch, the only Republican that voted against it. Call your state rep and state senator today and say, I want y'all to take up CRT before you leave Little Rock when you come back into session. It is pivotal that we make sure that the curriculum taught by our school teachers are not teaching that this country is inherently racist, that this country is inherently bad because it's not. Look, I'm a first generation immigrant hosting a radio show in the in the greatest country in the world. My goodness. How how racist can we get? Uh, that was a joke, uh, you know, with a lot of sarcasm. 
And then you got uh, wants to pass something very similar, exact same, uh, not similar, probably the exact same as what they passed in Texas that was held up by the Supreme Court that would save thousands of babies when it comes to here in Arkansas, uh, when you hear a heartbeat anywhere from six to six to eight weeks. And so if you want them to, to take that up, call your state rep, call your state senator today and tell them, hey, I want you to pass pro-life legislation that's been upheld by this U.S. Supreme Court that will save thousands of unborn lives. In 2015, we passed a bill that saved five to 600 babies. Now, this school year, you have five to six hundred children walking into kindergarten. That gives you a perfect picture of what exactly uh, is happening when we pass pro-life legislation. So call your legislature about redistricting, about CRT, about vaccines, about passing a pro-life bill. Call them today. So there's my rant. I feel so much better now. And uh, appreciate y'all listening. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I'm Ken Yang. Uh, Tomorrow you'll have uh, Senator uh, Kim Hammer on. And then uh, I will be back next Wednesday. So appreciate y'all. Y'all have a blessed day. Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.